Welcome to Open All Hours, the QPR podcast. I, I think this is week three or podcast three in lockdown. It's all very strange, as you know, and as you would expect, we are doing it remotely on Skype, which means we talk over each other more than we have done before. Uh, I think joining us for the first, the, his first Skype podcast is Chris. Chris, are you there? Hello. Yes, I'm here. In lockdown. Back. You've been in lockdown. I think before that you were in America doing boxing and stuff like that, weren't you? Yeah. God, that seems like a different lifetime now. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, it's been fun. We're having our um, having our uh, loft done. We're, we're in the middle of having the loft done, so basically you can't get to the upstairs. There's just all four of us uh, in two rooms, so that's been great fun the last three weeks. Oh God. <laughs> Oh God! Well, we'll give you some respite. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're probably probably the other way around. They need respite from me, I think. I didn't want to say. <laughs> I didn't want to say. Also, should be there is Finney. How are you there, mate? I am, which makes a change for five minutes ago. Yeah, I'm here, ready, ready to go with me um, with me uh, topics. Very good. And also, last but by no means least, is Flo Lloyd Hughes. Hello, sorry, I'm still eating my breakfast, so um, I might be a bit um, crunchy. No, no, it's all right. What have you got? Uh, bagel. Oh, uh, bagels are not particularly crunchy, are they? Unless you've toasted it. Yeah, I toasted it, yeah. Okay. It's got to be toasted. That's the first hundred listeners gone. Carry on. <laughs> what do you have for breakfast, Paul? My daughter made me gluten-free pancakes. Ooh, I didn't know you were celiac. Can I, t- <laughs> can I tell you, Paul? Oh, no, we don't have gluten-free pancakes. Sorry, that was going to be a boring story I won't tell. How is everyone? How's everyone's week? How are you missing the football? Hmm. Well, my week's been crap, and missing the football makes it even worse. So, crap and missing football. I have to say, sorry to hear that, Paul, um, obviously. I have to say... I am. If we go on to the most important of less important, the least important things, I am really missing football at this point. I think the first week or two can sort of deal with it. Now I'm just thinking. I think we would have been at Middlesbrough today. Is that right? Have I got that yeah. right? I'd have been there now in a pub somewhere. Oh, don't! I'll tell mm. you what. If our first game back is an away game, I oh, know it won't be actually. But for the first away game, that's going to be the most oversubscribed away support ever. Well, that's if the season finishes. Yeah. Well, uh, I, we seem to speculate on that every week on these things. I don't think, although there's a new piece of news, which is the, the season is, is um, extended indefinitely, it's just really the same chat. Um, it's just horrible when there's no news, isn't it? It's absolutely kind of, it, it shows how much you miss it. Well, how, how are you coming, Flo? Because it's your job, isn't it? Um, yeah, this week is this week has been a bit of a struggle. Um, first couple of weeks, I think I don't know about you. I mean, I don't have kids, so life is a lot easier because of that and lockdown anyway. But first two weeks, there was still a bit of a novelty feel to it. Um, and then this week, suddenly the reality set in the uncertainty of the whole situation 
And I kind of, I feel like I could deal with it better if there was an end date uh, of, of the whole thing. And there was also a definitive date where we would be able to start football again. Cause then you've got something to look forward to and somewhere to set a target. But because there's none of that, you just feel like you're just going on and on and on and on. Like I've lost sense of what day of the week it is, what happened yesterday, what happened last week. It's just a mess. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. I mean, it's when you've got football, it sort of differentiates, you know, you've got your working week and then you've got football to look forward to on the Saturday. And that is, that is very odd. I mean, it's, it's, it's fair enough in the summer because we're used to that and you've got cricket, you've got tennis, you've got other sports to get your teeth into. But this is, I mean, I work in sport as well. And yeah, it's, it's literally, there's nothing, there's no boxing, obviously there's no football. There's, there's, there's literally nothing weird. There is the Belarusian Premier League, Chris. Oh, yeah. And there's also mad. the Burundi. The Burundi top flight is also playing a full complement of games this week, I understand. So Absolutely. I think you're exaggerating things a little bit. <laughs> yes, fair point. Fair point. Um, there's also the virtual Grand National this afternoon. But, yes, it is, it is slim pickings. Is there um, anyone, well, any of the jockeys in blue TV? and white hoops? Is that on TV the virtual thing, or do you have to like go to a, like log on to a bookies to watch it? I believe it's on ITV. By the time this gets out, it probably will have happened already. Oh, so yeah, uh, everybody, so this may be boring, but I believe it's on TV, and you can bet on it with any booking. Apparently, all the it's a maximum ten pound bet you can place, and all the proceeds go to NHS charities. I understand. So there you go. Um, right, we're going to try and lighten things up by uh, reminiscing. So last week we did our favourite, our, our ultimate QPR team based on the um, time that we've been watching them. And today we're going to do our favourite games. We're going to go through our three favourite games, go through them, have a chat about them, and then at the end, any other bits in the R's end. Before we get on to that, uh, let me thank the episode sponsor. Thank you so much to Daniel Butler, who's the episode sponsor. Thank you to everybody who continues to support us. Um, even though there's no football. Um, uh, we really, really appreciate it. It helps us keep running. Uh, and we also had a competition on Twitter this week. So Art of Football gave us some uh, T-shirts. So they gave us a Stan Bowles T-shirt to, away and the, to give away, I beg your pardon. And the winner is Stuart Copperwheat. Well done, Stuart. So if you DM us uh, on Twitter, your address and T-shirt size, we'll get that to you. So... Thanks for taking part. Congratulations. Anyone wants to get in touch with us, go to follow us at QPR Pod on Twitter, with the QPR Podcast on Facebook, or go to our website, qprpod.co.uk. Finney, is that your dog? Well, it's not the cat. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he, he's he's trying to talk about his favourite game, but he's, he's... Oh, there's someone at the door. That's what it is. Oh, dear. Never mind. Carry on. Well... <laughs> to myself. Oh. So... Favourite games, the only rule was no finals. So not that you particularly would choose uh, the Milk Cup final or the FA Cup <laughs> final, but you can't. Um, no playoff final and no 1967. Because, of course, these games um, are going to be uh, going to stick in the memory for a lot of people. I can't remember whether we said no Oldham game either. But that is also an obvious one for a, a lot of people. Um, and I've got a feeling it's coming up a bit later. I think that one's allowed. OK, who wants to start? So we'll, we picked three each. Why don't we start, take it one at a time. And Chris, why don't we come to you first? What is 
the first of your three games? Okay, first of my three games is, it is, again, a fairly obvious one, 1997, QPR 3, Barnsley 2. Um, um, memorable for one moment in particular, of course. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird season. That was our first season out of the top flight Um and we we were pretty shocking at home. We'd already been beaten by Ipswich, Bolton, uh, Port Vale, and then I think Swindon in the League Cup as well. So wasn't really expecting much from this game, even though um, in the league game we'd beaten them with a, this John Spencer hat trick, which was uh, I mean that led to a night of partying with me and some random Irishman uh, across Shepherd's Bush. But that, that's another story anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, I remember memorable for a few things. I mean Tony Roberts, um, poor old Tony Roberts. Spilled a free kick from Neil Redfern, gave them the lead. Um, then Gavin Peacock, a really good equaliser. And then John Spencer, 2-1, half-time. So half-time, it's, it's February, it's quite cold. As I remember, we were in the paddock, so me and my mate particularly cold. And, um, yeah, it just sort of settled into one of those, uh, right, well, you know, I'll be at ref and blow the whistle so we can all get home and get warm. And then, yeah... Just start the second half. Uh, Andy Emmy gets sent off for, for the most blatant punch in the face you're ever likely to see. I don't know if you remember that, but it's like basically a right hook, just floored mm. the bloke. Um, so then it was sort of backs against the wall a bit, and and, and then out of nowhere is this magic moment. Um, I'm, I'm just having a chat with Dave in the paddocks. We happen to be right in line in it. Uh, Spencer, I think it was, chucks in a, a cross, hopeful cross. Next thing, Trevor Sinclair's about 20 foot up in the air and smashing it into the net with his overhead kick. It just Unbelievable! It was it was like it, like it sort of happened in slow motion, really. And there's, there was a gap around the ground. I remember it just went quiet. It seemed to go quiet for like for ages while everyone processed what they just seen. And then it just went absolutely nuts. My kids are here, so I can't. But it was just everyone was going effing hell, effing hell. Um, and and then the Barnsley looked across at the Barnsley lot, and they were like zombies, like applauding on autopilot. But mm. um, yeah, it just yeah, just incredible to witness that. To one of those their moment, I was there moments. It was amazing. I, I wasn't there that day. I think I was on, I was in sixth form. I think I was on some sort of school trip or something like that. What what was there an immediate sense of? Oh my god, we've just seen one of the best goals we're ever likely to see. Yeah. At time, or do you think it was the amount it was replayed and so on? That yeah, made I suppose there's possible. an element of that. I, like I said, because you know there was no mobile phones in those days, you couldn't watch, look up on. Now you'd be looking at it on Twitter straight away. Sky would be showing the you know, the goal or whatever. But it was like I mean I I'm sure there are people who were just bending down at the time or chatting to someone behind them, and I did actually see the goal and, and I, I think we just couldn't really like I said couldn't really process what we'd seen I mean it's a bit different say like Wegley's goal against Leeds or you know some of Tarab's goals you can actually physically see him you know beating three four players and then chucking it in yeah. whereas this this happened in a, an instant do you know what I mean and yeah it, I, it, I would say yeah it, it was disbelief and I'd say the Barnsley fans were the same you know it, it, I think everyone knew that you'd witness, we'd witness something special I won't ask you if that was the greatest QPR goal you've ever seen because I think it's obvious. Because what, mate? Um, because it's obvious, right? That must be the best QPR goal you've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I, I think. There's cases for other goals, certainly. I mean, there's there's, um, there's Bobby Zamora's, there's um, um, Matt Phillips's, there's Jerry Francis against Liverpool. Um, you know, and you know any one of Adele's. Wegley Leeds. 
Wait, yeah, which I, which I but, mentioned earlier, yeah, of course. It was, uh, 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 Rep Ainsworth's two double against Rushton oh, and Diamond. Oh, yeah. You know, so, yeah, they were good. I should have mentioned would, that one. I was, I was, I was amazingly, I was there for that as well. There was only like a, a thousand. The ground only held about four thousand, I think. Well, I think the occasion does does affect the legend with which the goal goes down. In if you see what I mean. So True. there's, it, you know, FA Cup um, at home score Trevor Sinclair's goal. You know, yeah. that's a good stage to do it on. Russian and Diamonds, whatever we were in League One, I suppose maybe it 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 might relegate it from an absolute. Legendary goal to a very yeah. very good memorable goal. If you see what no, I mean. that's fair enough. But I do remember that. I, I think um, I don't think match of the day was. I think ITV had out at that time, and they did their goals of the season across all four leagues. And Gareth Ainsworth was number one and number three. Those two goals across the whole season. Oh, there which you was go. pretty cool. Yeah, very good. Uh, Flo, your first game. So, yeah, there were two games that I was going to pick um, for this first one as kind of my early, early games um, because a lot of my early memories were a bit shit. So I picked a game that was quite a nice early memory. I was going to pick Shabazz Baidu's last-minute equaliser against Leeds in 2006 at home. But instead, I've gone for a bit of a random game in 2005, QPR 2, Hull 2, and... It was a bit of a classic uh, for Gareth Ainsworth, who we've already mentioned, but Ainsworth scored two goals that day uh, in pretty quick succession and uh, managed to rescue a point from us because we were 2-0 down and Ainsworth scored in the 56th and the 65th minute and we managed to grab a point out of that game. And it was just classic, pure Ainsworth to watch him kind of turn the game on his on his, on its head and... Uh, yeah, it, I don't know why it's just really lived in my memory for quite a long time. Why do you think it has? Because it's not, it's not the, uh, it, it, it's not on my list. But I think the beautiful thing about um, games and our favourite games is that they might not be memorable to a lot of other people, but they are to like the individual. That's why we remember them. So what, what was it about that game that kind of made you pick it as one of your top three? Um, I don't know, really. I think me and my family were massive fans of Gareth Ainsworth. And actually, randomly, my dad used to go to this gym. And at the gym, they had like a massage. And there was a guy that used to give my dad massages who was also a masseuse for Gareth Ainsworth. So he managed to get my brother a signed shirt. And we were really hoping that Ainsworth was going to write something on it like keep rocking or like something about like rock music and being in a band but he actually just wrote like love gareth or something but um yeah we were just we just thought he was such a hero and a legend and we've still like a lot of rangers fans we've still kept up with him at wickham and even though the time hasn't been right yet to get him in as manager like i think myself and a lot of other qpr fans still look at him quite fondly as a potential choice in the future um to come and, and, you know, the caretaker job he, he did as well was, you know, not that bad given the circumstances. And I just think he seems like such a, a great guy and gave everything for QPR as well. So that particular, like, heroic moment just really stuck in my memory. Fair enough. OK, I'll go. My first game. If you, you are, I think maybe one of us was there. Um, and the rest of us will either know it or remember it very well. I was not there. 
I was not there because the reasons will become, um, well, it's kind of obvious. I was, I think, 11 or 12 years old, and it was New Year's Day. New Year's Day, 1992. Back in those days, as you will all recall, ITV had the live rights to the Premier League, and that, well, what it was then, I think it was First Division then. And they only showed one game a week, and we were never on TV, but we were on this day. Uh, on New Year's Day, 1992, they showed QPR away at Man United in a game that everybody expected Man United to absolutely run away with. And QPR won 4-1, remarkably. Um, Dennis Bailey hat-trick. Dennis Bailey was a good servant, I suppose you could say, but if you were to list a 100 QPR players who might score a hat-trick away at Old Trafford, I, I suspect he would not be on that list anywhere. Um, Andy seems to have got the other one. And I think we, we scored them so quickly. I think from memory, we had three within the first, certainly within the first half, uh, in the first sort of 25 minutes. We ran away with it so quickly that Man United were just completely shell-shocked. Great victory. I think they had the likes of Lee Sharp. I think they had Ryan Giggs in their team that day. Very young Ryan Giggs. It's just an incredible game and experience and kind of what led to the season after that really, you know, that top line finish, that fifth place finish in the first year of the Premier League. Um, so I, I suspect this will be on a lot of people's list, but it's definitely on mine. And a bonus point to any of you who can name our starting eleven that day. God. Finney? Finney might not be there. Uh, well, OK. Well, that quiz ran a bit flat, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> um, so we had Stacey Bardsley, McDonald's, Peacock, Wilson. That back four, very strong back four, which we talked a lot about last week. In the middle, Ian Holloway, Ray Wilkins... Yeah. Simon Barker and Andy Sinton. Of course, Dennis Bailey up front. Who do you think was partnering him up front that day, Chris? Oh, God. Uh, my memory's shot to pieces. Um, no, I can't remember. It was, was Roy Wegley, of course. Not necessarily. Hello, sorry, mate. The, um, the That's all right. Yeah, Don't on, worry, Vinny. We kept going. We kept going. Mine was Man United 1, QPR 4. Were you last, there that day? Yes, I was. And from what I remember, the team was, and I could get this wrong, uh, Stayskill, McDonald's, <laughs> yeah. Maddox. Um, we just done it, mate. Oh, well, this is the worst. Yeah, it's sort of the worst radio ever. Cause of oh, don't worry. In that case... You lost it... when you came back. But Peacock, not Maddox. Oh, was it really? Of it course. Was. It was. And I think, and if, if memory serves me rightly as well, we could have been about six, six up the first 10, 15 minutes. It was, it was wave after wave, and I think Les missed a really good chance. We batted him, and it was nice. I don't think Les played. I don't think Les was on. Oh, yeah, because Bailey was on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, of course. So it was Bailey missed a, a, a guilt chance as well. And well what I've also learned about these memorable games is they are memorable, but then you edit certain pieces of information in your mind that didn't happen. So, for yeah. example, I would have said Les played if well, I hadn't no, looked it, it up. No, no it's, it's pretty obvious that Billy played because, of course, Les wasn't playing, so it's fine. It was my stupidity, to be honest with you. But the, the weird thing is, when you videoed that, like I did, and then you watch it back, 
the halftime, I'll always remember the halftime of that because they were shell-shocked, bemused, and couldn't quite believe it. And Dennis Law looked like he was going to explode. <laughs> it, it was one of the funniest things you'll ever see. And, and their fans did not enjoy it at all. And, you know, they didn't even clap us. That was horrible. We bowed them. And um, right. we, we, we were cannon fodder for New Year's Day. They shipped the whole world to set up and say, look how good Man United are. And uh, we absolutely destroyed them. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, I wasn't there, unfortunately, but it was my um, my girlfriend at the time's 18th birthday, so I had to be around there. And her dad was a Man United fan, and he, he was making all these jokes about, you know, uh, do you want stuffing with you, whatever it was he was cooking, and all this stuff. And he was in the kitchen, and yeah, then suddenly we were 2 0 up, and he, he had a face like thunder. Best meal I've ever had. Yeah, that's always good. That's fantastic. I videoed that. I must have worn out that tape. It's probably at my parents' place somewhere. I watched that game hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. I'm sure many other people did. Uh, Finney, what's your first game? Well, I'm not going to go in any kind of order because my brain's so disorganised it would probably explode if I tried to do this properly. But the one I was going to talk first is Arsenal away at Highbury, obviously, not the Emirates. And um, we beat them 3-1. And I particularly remember this game because... Those who know me won't be surprised. I kind of stayed in the pub too long and the way in got sold out. And I went with my mate, so I had to then go and sit in the home about, Sorry, sorry, just to clarify for dates, you're talking about the John Jensen game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was 1993, 1994, something like that. Okay. And, and, uh, and um, so, anyway, I'm always late, so I missed out. I wasn't all ticket either, I don't think. Or if it was all ticket, I didn't have a ticket. But my memory tells me that we it got uh, there's a locker at the way end and I ended up with a mate of mine called Gary in the home end in the clock end next to uh, next to the QPR fans and it was hilarious because it was like one of them ones where you go do you know what it's probably going to be a nil nil draw they'll win one nil yeah it'll be like that sort of thing so we won't need to probably give ourselves away we'll be fine and of course within three minutes we're jumping around like lunatics and everyone's sort of looking at us. And then if that wasn't bad enough, the QPR fans, and we weren't, we weren't we were quite close to the fence, but the away fans were sort of going, what are you two doing in there then? You all right? It's like, oh, we got locked out. So we were totally given away. So we couldn't go for a pee. We couldn't get a coffee. <laughs> and we couldn't do anything. Because I know Arsenal haven't got a reputation for being nutters. I didn't actually want to test it because my seat was battered. Um, and I was getting kicked quite a lot. Um, so it was, it was quite bizarre. But again, it was one of them weird performances. I mean, I've just... Before I came on, I've actually looked at the team and you'll never guess who was playing that day, which I was quite surprised. And again, from memory, didn't realise he was playing. Steve Hodge. Ah! Ah! Well, Hodgey, Hodgey. Is a... So, yeah. You know what I mean? Steve, it was like... Come on. I don't know that we've ever discussed this, but I was also at that game and I was also in the clock end, in the home end. I feel like... There was quite a lot of QPR fans in the Arsenal end. That yeah, yeah, because I think RM was sold out really quick. Well, I, I say so. quickly. I was late as usual, so I'm terrible. You know, I've got to stop doing this. In all my years of watching Rangers, I'm always frigging late. I've got to knock us on the head. Anyway, yeah, there, I think there was quite a few Rangers in there, but I, I was quite close to the away fans, so we, we were given away, A, by talking to our own fans, and B, by jumping around at lunatics. But you didn't see it happening. And... Um, I'd say Michael Meeker also played in that game as well, God rest his soul. And uh, um, it, it wasn't a team that I remembered. And, and Bradley came on as a substitute in school as well. It was just an amazing performance by Rangers that day. And, and, and what, you know, the, the team, but the Steve Hodge thing did freak me out. I don't even remember him playing. I might have been drunk. 
just just for so this was 1994 uh, i've just looked yeah. at whilst you've been talking so that is what's that 26 years ago so for any of our listeners who are not crazy old the, the reason why the world was interested in this game is because arsenal signed john jensen after the european championships and he scored the winning goal and he was supposedly some kind of latter day perlo turned out not to be he didn't score a goal for two years and his only goal came in the game against us. Now the and world remembers it. And it was a good goal as well, to be fair. Yeah, that was, it, was, it, it, it was jammy. Now, the thing is, with him, it was quite funny because Arsenal fans brought out these T-shirts, didn't they? I was there when Jensen scored. Do you, do you remember that, Dave? Because we, yeah, we live, yeah. obviously, in North London, so we were there. And then Dave Thomas would kick up the R's. I think from memory I could be wrong, Dave. I'm sorry if I got this wrong. Then um, I was there when Jensen scored. And Gallen... And Alan and Impy. Alan and Impy, yeah. Very good. So that was, that was a good T-shirt. And um, I, I, I made a lot of Arsenal fans' life a misery that week. Because they, they were very they were good, they were good side. Was that, was that New Year's Day as well, David? I don't think it was. But, well, maybe. It was, it was definitely like winter time. It was December, January, I think. I think but it was New Year's Day as well. Oh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Oh, right, OK. I knew it was something like that because I was always in the Raz a little bit early. <laughs> Um, yeah. But you know what, as well, we actually, people forget this. I mean, that Arsenal side were, were like, they didn't give away many goals either. Um, we Again, we could have absolutely annihilated them. And it, it just shows you that on, that, on our day, that 90s team could have absolutely destroyed anyone and everyone and also lose the odd game we should have lost. But my God, when we played well, we played really well. Good. Finney, go straight into your second game. My second game is, well, so all them years, administration, the Vauxhall Motors thing, oh, God, the relegations, the pain, the agony. We finally had some joy, and along comes them lot from down the road, Terry and co, waltzing up to our ground, giving it the large one. Uh, I think they got the world was over. And um, it was a game you couldn't make up because, obviously, sorry for people, we beat Chelsea 1-0 at home. And it was kind of weird for so many reasons because, from memory... Their players couldn't get off the coach for ages because they were getting abused so much by our fans, which is terrible, really, but at the same time, hilarious. Um, and it was just sheer, the, the, from the minute of the kickoff to the end, was just sheer hatred. I've never, in all my years, heard it as, as, as well, I have heard bits of it, but that was just amazing. The, the pure hatred for them, absolute low lives, was brilliant. And, um, you know, there was obviously the horrible, sad thing of the, the Terry incident, which is, you know, disgusted and, and wrong in every level. But there was Helgis's penalty, the, play, the, the two players sent off, the fact that they probably could have still managed to beat us with missing two players made it even more hilarious. And their fans afterwards getting abused all the way down White City, all the way down South African Road, all the way down the Shepherd's Bush. Everywhere they went, they were just getting abused and laughed at. And, um, you know, when you hear the stories of what happens in the changing rooms after that game as well, it's just, it just sounds like you couldn't script it. They could have built a film on it. Like, you know, it was just, uh, it was beautiful. And uh, it was one of the best days of my life. Even better than the 6-0 because we were good in them days. And even though they were flat at the time, we beat them 6-0. It was, it was, we, 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 we kind of got used to beating them, but not to play them for that long and to absolutely beat them like that in that way with that penalty and having two players sent off and John Terry showing the world what he is, which is a complete moron. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't write it any better. And I was drunk for at least 24 days. Loved that game. And Tyler Helgerson's a very underrated uh, player, like player of our past. Sorry, Flo, you were going to say something. 
No, do you know what I find weird is that I always forget that 1-0 that we beat them away as well when Sean Wright-Phillips scored because that feels like it just... Although always beating them is fun, that felt like such a hollow win against a a rival. I don't know what you guys thought. I think we we kind of knew we were already going down. I mean, the 1-0 away... I was in the pub in Notting Hill and I did an agreement with my mates if it goes beyond, because don't forget the season before that, I think we lost 6-1 there, that if it gets really bad, we're just going to leave, which is something I'd never do, but I couldn't take it anymore. So then when we went 1-0 up, it was great, but I think we knew that even with that result, we were probably going to get relegated. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was hollow, um, but but the, the home one was was more memorable. I mean, yeah, just the... Just the whole thing with uh, poor old Juan Mata, like, you know, after, like, the third corner, he was just literally too scared to go and take one. Um, so uh, Frank Lampard had to, had to come on corner duty. Was, I, I did feel a bit sorry for him, but uh, not too Did sorry. you? Yeah, just a little bit, because he, out of all the, those lot, he was, I didn't think he was too bad. I, I mean, I retrospectively felt sorry for him. That's what I mean. Yeah, um, I think he good reputation he's he, he uh, from like you know as far as football players go he's definitely one of the nicest out there and even by Chelsea standards he stood out as you know a good guy the rest of that the rest of the squad that day I have little to no respect or fondness for no absolutely and then Drogba's Drogba, always seemed like a good bloke as well but the rest of them definitely not and then I think, when they, I think, uh, the thing with the thing with Drogba is away from football he was a lovely fella, but he put that shirt on, he becomes instant enemy, and he, he didn't do himself any favors. But yeah, Matthew was probably a really lovely fella, but they chose. I don't. I think personally they didn't realize it, the hatred. I don't think they they knew what they were walking into, and I think it was more shock than anything. They were not prepared for that hatred. No, I agree. No, that's uh, that spot on, Paul. I, I was just going to mention as well, Chelsea players who, who, who aren't quite so nice, but. When Cesc Fabregas, when they won like a few years later and like celebrating in front of our fans, and I think people were chucking lighters, and I don't condone that sort of thing at all. But equally, you, should, you know, celebrating like that in a derby like that was mental. It was arrogance. It was. I think that's the thing about them. They've always, when we played them in the eighties, now they were always arrogant and ideas above the stages. But then when they started winning things, they became even more unbloody bearable. I mean, remember. Um, the, the the game that Flo was talking about the one nil away that, which I still enjoyed and, and I know I know what Flo means kind of by hollow but I don't think it was a lot I think it was it was it was good because then we, we we didn't lose more to them than they did to us kind of thing as well so we held that in the league. But a little fella talking to his dad is going, No dad, daddy, um where is Queen's Park Rangers? And we all just looked at him and his dad and thought, Jesus Christ, the new breed of football fans is pathetic. Um you know they didn't have any regard for us at all Bit well, harshful on a kid. He is Chelsea, I suppose. I was about fourteen. I just doing that really posh accent because I, I just imagine he was also probably going to Fulham when they weren't playing at home. Um, but the, the weird thing about it was that you know their, their fans when they came to the, the first game again didn't ex, didn't know what to expect. I did, they they, they kind of knew we didn't like them. They knew we didn't we hated them sort of thing. But the the vitriol was just amazing. I mean the the electrics in that ground. If you could have bottled that up and sold it to any ground in the country that would have it, it was. Probably the noisiest game I've been to for quite a while, and since as well, it was it was electric. I've never felt the buzz after a game like it for a long time. Even the playoff final, to a certain degree, which was an amazing one, but that one had everything, absolutely everything. Great, great memories. Uh, I'd, love to know, I'd love to know what's happening. Sorry, I've just remembered it, that we when we get um, Sean Derry and Clint Hill, we'll, 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 we'll pretend that we haven't got the mics running and we'll get the real version of what happened in that dressing room afterwards. Because <laughs> I reckon that, that them dressing room, that was a right dress, you know, bust up in them dressing rooms. Yeah. 
Well, we, yeah, we might have to revisit the old tapes of the podcast live when we had them on. But, yeah, we, we should get them on again and ask them that. Um, Flo, what's your number two game? So my number two is... Um... Another, well, um, this one, a bit like that Chelsea 1-0 at home, is one that is, well, we don't actually dine out on that that much on social media, but this one we definitely do. And it's also one of the ones that has featured on the Rangers Rewind that the club have been playing out since lockdown. So this is um, QPR 3, Liverpool 2, March 2012. Obviously, the Jamie Mackey game, I think, as some people call it. Um, Yeah, unbelievable game. Um, When Liverpool went 2-0 up, you thought it was definitely dead and buried. um, And obviously, it had been... A pretty shit season, um, but one, I guess, one of the few highlights of that season is that the only thing that Mark Hughes could seem to do was was fight uh, in games against the big boys. That was kind of it. Um, his reign, obviously, was pretty miserable, but we did always give the big clubs um, a good going. And, well, in this one, we obviously came back from 2-0 down. Um, Sean Derry and Cissé pulled it back to 2-0. And then in the night first minute, Mackie scores that legendary goal, um, takes it past Pepe Reina. And, uh, yeah, amazing game. And actually, even Liverpool's goals, like Sebastian Coates, when you see that goal, that was the, his first goal for the club. He didn't have an amazing time at Liverpool. Um, always really highly rated, especially on, especially on Football Manager. Um, and, uh, yeah, his, his opening goal was really good from that corner, that volley. Um, and, obviously, that Liverpool team... You know, on paper, amazing, amazing team. They had um, Gerard Suarez, um, Dirk Kite, like really, really, really good team. Um, and there we there were we were with Zamora, Tarap, Cisse, Derry, obviously, like n- like good players. But up against that, that's you know Champions League uh, team. So um, yeah, a- an amazing game and just. One that I think QPR fans will remember for a really long time. I, I definitely did. So, so if I, memory serves me correctly, I think we won the last eight home games that year to stay up. Um, and that was kind of on that run of eight. That was three or four or something like that. I, I Maybe I'm reimagining this. I just felt, I think they made a change where Barton went off for Derry which maybe someone will correct me. No, you're that. right at halftime, I think, wasn't it? And and I just felt I felt like even when we were 2-0 down, I just felt like everybody had a sense that maybe this isn't over yet and, like, maybe something is going to happen. Now, maybe I'm imagining that. But no, there no. was a kind of building up to it. And then when Derry came on and headed that in, I felt like people thought this might be on. I think, I think so we knew was. we had something in this, didn't we? We knew we weren't. I know we were two 0 down. You said we weren't playing that badly, and we were we were definitely in the game. But um, maybe maybe they underestimated us, or maybe they just prepared for what Mackie did or whatever. But hell of a performance turned that around. Though. I mean, that's got to be one of the greatest home performances ever. Fantastic! Can you remember the Liverpool manager that day? Kenny uh, Dalglish. Yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was that, that. I mean, I think everyone could have picked this as one of their memorable games. That, that again was an I was there, I was there occasion. Um, 
just yeah, add it all. I mean, Derry scoring, I think, you know, probably the, the rarest, I mean, hen's teeth goals from Derry. Um, and then Sisse against his old club. And then just, just that finish from Mackie. I think Mackie said later that if he'd had time to think about that, uh, then, then he would probably, it would have got to him, the pressure would have got to him. Um, but he just hit it straight time. And that noise was just absolutely incredible. And Finney talked about the noise against Chelsea. It was definitely up there, I think. That also, yeah, go on, Finney. Sorry, but the, the, the Mackie thing, like, you know what? I'll have to watch it again, Chris, but I think you might be right. I think he just he just went for it, didn't he? He just, I don't know, maybe he didn't think about it at all and was a natural finish, but bloody hell, you know, the sound of the ball hitting the back of that and everyone going mental and, and the look of the Liverpool faces was actually quite extraordinary and one, one that will live with me for a very long time. And one of the few that, times I was sober. That, <laughs> that was uh, why you go to football. Do you want a nice Mackie fact, a little Mackie detail before? Yes, please. Go on to the next one. So someone who I work with, uh, or I, I guess a business acquaintance, his kids go to the same school as Jamie Mackie's. And... Um, in assembly the other day, they got called in because their girl got called up onto the stage and given a, a certificate for something she did. Also called up onto the stage that day was Jamie Mackey, one of the dads who got a certificate in the school assembly for organising the school fundraising quiz. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> wow. There you go. Yeah. So, Footballer for Oxford by day. Quiz organizer by night. Whatever he does, he puts a hundred percent in. You can always say that about Jamie. Jamie. Exactly. Um, I'll jump in. Um, my second game. My, I don't know how memorable it will be to, to some of the people listening. I know Finney, you and I have talked about it. And actually, Finney, you always make me doubt the score on that night, but I checked it and it was two-one to Rangers. This game is because I think you said a couple of times it was three-two, but it was. It was. It was. Um, 30-odd years ago, so I had to check myself. 2-1, home win against Man United. Andy Gray Gray scored two absolute belters. Now, honestly, the reason why I picked this was this was the Liverpool 3-2 game before the Liverpool 3-2 game, if you see what I mean. This was almost, I won't say carbon copy, but a lot of similarities in that game. A little QPR, quote-unquote, playing one of these big teams, we went 1-0 down, um, and then in the latter part of the second half, evening game, Loftus Road, full loft, and we score Andy Gray scores two absolute screamers that night, both of which looked very similar to the and Loftus Road erupted. And I think I was I think I was not even ten. So it would have been, if not my first evening game, one of my first evening games. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. The place was erupting. It took us ages to get out because the fans were kind of singing and celebrating. And I, it was just one of those games like, this is why I go to football. No, I agree. Um, I mean, and I, I'm sure... Yeah, go on. No, I'm, I'm just thinking, I don't know. Yeah, the Andy Gray goals were pretty spectacular and amazing, but I was so drunk, I thought it was a two-all draw. <laughs> it was not. No, and, and do you know what? He was another strange player, wasn't he? He just, I don't know, he, 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 we saw glimpses of brilliance with him and then just nothing. Such a strange, such a strange player. Maybe wasted, who knows? But yeah, there were some, some goals to crack in as well. Well, I think he played for England and he played for Spurs, didn't he? But yeah, he maybe didn't achieve as much as he, as he could have done. 
Um, but well, yeah, not the PPR show anyway. I mean, what he achieved afterwards right. is fair enough, but certainly not the Rangers show. No. Right, Chris, what's your game number two? Right, yeah, no, that was interesting. That game, I can remember. Uh, I can remember us beating uh, um, show my age here in 1977, beating Man United 4-0. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 77. And, and I know I had school the next day, so I think it must have been a midweek game because there was a Man United fan in the playground who was like the biggest kid in the school, and he took exception to this, and he got his mates to hold him down while he punched me in the face uh, oh. for, 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 for us beating Man United 4-0. Anyway. I digress. Um, so the second game for me is, I'm sorry, but it's, you mentioned it earlier, but the Oldham game. Um, I know oh, everyone refers to this as the one with the best atmosphere ever. We've already name-checked uh, the Liverpool game here just a minute ago and the Chelsea games, which are also bang up there. And I wasn't in there when we had 35,000 against Leeds in 1974, whatever it was, but I would imagine that was pretty tasty as well. Um but yeah, this Oldham game, I mean, the first first leg, we got the one-all draw. For anyone who doesn't know, it was the playoff semi-final. Um, we got the first uh, one-all draw at their place. Richard Langley doing the old villain hero bit, uh, scores a goal and then gets sent off. Um, so, I don't know. It, 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 you know, we, we went into this game and I don't know what it was. There was a charged atmosphere right, right from the off. I don't know if it was nerves or expectation or... You know, the release of pent-up energy because we'd had years of misery, administration, transfer embargoes, beaten by Vauxhall Motors earlier that season. And I don't know if everything was just unleashed, but it's just incredible. And um, I don't know, just I was in the, I had had a few before the game, was in the lower loft with the usual crew, went through the gamut of emotions. And I, I, Kevin McLeod, I think, had wasted a chance early on. Then they had a really good chance, and it was up and down. Um and, and, and then Paquette came on the second half. It made a real difference, I thought. He had a he had a decent effort saved. And at that stage, you're thinking, oh no, it's it's not going to be our night. They're going to they they we keep we you know we've had so many chances, we've not taken them. And then eight minutes to go, Clark Carlisle pumps pumps one forward, Furlong chucks it in. Uh, and yeah, if there'd been a roof on the place that night, it would have come off, I think. Uh, and then like half an hour after the game. Holloway's leading the charts in the middle of the field. I think that might have been the every dog has its day. Today is Wolf Day game. Um, uh-huh. And and everyone, hugging everyone. It was just, yeah, amazing. Chris, Chris. Yes. Knowing what you know now, that this game ultimately led to disappointment and yeah. an awful playoff final. And if I had told you that before the game, would you still take the win? Or would you, or, or did, does the, did the disappointment of the defeat that followed mean that you could do without this game? Oof. No, I, th- I, I think this, the fact that we're very fact that we're talking about this game now, um, how much would have been talking about the first player final, even if we'd won it? Probably, um, but not so much as the last one, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the player final was a whole different thing. Uh, that day, just going going down there, and on the way down, there was like blokes with arms the size of my thighs standing outside watching the train as it came into Cardiff. It was quite, quite, quite hair raising. I don't think I've ever felt pain like I did. Oh, car journey home. It was honestly one of the worst days of my life. It was, it, yes, it was terrible. Also, I would highly recommend. This is ironic. I would not recommend 
Losing to Cardiff in Cardiff when you have a father-in-law who's a Cardiff City season ticket oh, holder. God, no. <laughs> that made it even worse. I still haven't forgiven him for his answer. Um, we should do prob- another podcast. Oh, it was just terrible and gloating and immediate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think he still feels a little bit bad about it to this day. Um, maybe, I don't know if it'll be an awful podcast or not, but maybe we probably should do worse games at some point. Um, right, that was, that, that, that's a good one. That's a great one. Uh, probably would have been on mine if, if, well, I knew you were doing it. Um, I'll go with my final one, and then, then we'll let Flo and Paul take their games. My final one is 1999, QPR 6, Palace nil, last day of the season. This was a game that had everything. First of all, it had the setup. So the setup was we needed something at this game or we were going out of whatever it was called then. The first division, I think it was, but the second tier. We were going out of what is now the championship. We needed something from this game. Hot day. The game had balloons all on the pitch, I remember. It was probably, it feel, in my memory, it tells me it was hotter than it probably was, but I feel like it was baking that day. And we won 6-0. They had two men sent off. One of them got sent off for pushing the ref, if any of you remember. It was a hat-trick. Chris Kawami got a hat-trick. George Colsar scored a bit of a belter. Uh, but Tony Scully um, scored an absolute, absolute, well, another belter from the edge of the box. Uh, not quite Gareth Ainsworth versus Russian and Diamonds-like, but pretty good nonetheless. And it was just a... Release of emotion, QPR actually delivering when they needed, over-delivering on expectations because we would have taken a 1-0 win, but we, they got six. It was just a, it was a brilliant day that had everything that was, that had, was a great escape and finished off a challenging season very nicely. So that is my third and final game. Right. <laughs> Okay, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take it that everyone's on mute rather than they were completely underwhelmed by that. Well, no, yeah. I, was, I was just... Um, yeah, get, well, um, the, Palace game, the, the Palace game was weird for me because I was due to go a holiday the next day and my mate Stephen was over from Northern Ireland and we were all terrified we were going to lose and there was a horrible feeling in the air that we were going to get absolutely trounced that day and for some reason we decided to play like bloody Brazil. It was amazing. And then there was rumours that the um, Palace goalkeeper was actually a QPR fan. But um, who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But I was able to go on holiday, and because I think if it got relegated, I was going to cancel the holiday and just hibernate all summer because I couldn't. I don't think it was too soon after coming away from the Premiership, if you know what I mean. So that that would have really hurt to go down that soon. Well, I mean, for, say something. Oh, I was going to say, did you? Um, how did you get tickets that day? Because my dad ended up buying tickets for my brothers from a tout and spending an absolute fortune to get in the ground, which. I, I don't know how much a fortune was then, but I imagine it was absolute silly money, like in today's kind of ticket prices. Oh, well, I had a season ticket, um, so I don't know. But yeah, I do remember it was pretty full that day. Chris, were you going to say something? Yeah, I mean, I also had a season ticket, but and I was also convinced we were going to lose. And I was also quite superstitious in those days. And as the train got to, got to Notting Hill Gate, I'd convinced myself, I was just on my own, uh, if I went to the game, we were going to lose. So I got off at Notting Hill and went back home. Uh, <laughs> so I never saw it. You missed um, it. Yeah, I didn't go. What the hell? What? Yeah. Absolutely true. Yeah. 
And so obviously part of me was thinking, yeah, I made the right decision. If I'd have gone, we'd have lost. And then part of me is thinking, oh, my God, I've just missed one of the best games of all time. Gosh. David? Yes? I've just looked it up. 8th of May, 1989, Queen's Park Rangers 3, Manchester United 2. Really? Yep, just looked it up. There you go. That mess is <laughs> the podcast. Sorry about that. Really? Well, the less... Who scored unless... it? Huh? Who scored it? Who scored the third then? It, it's not... It's not. I've got the results here. Uh, I looked it up and um, I've now lost them. Oh. Carry on. Okay. Right, we will carry on then. This is a memorable game. But do you remember about the Palace game as well? They were, they were giving out posters, and as Flo was saying, it was there was loads of toads selling tickets for really extortion price. I'm like you had a season ticket, so I didn't need to worry about it. But I felt sorry for all them poor souls to pay a lot of money until the sixth goal went in. In which case, I thought, whatever you spent, you'll never get this memory again. Well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're you're right, Paul. I've now looked this up. Told you yeah. are right. I hit being wrong because my memory is so freaking bad. I doubt everything because Andy Gray scored two, but I can't remember who scored the other goal. Um, and well, my memory is so bad. I, I just hate it when I'm wrong. But like, I'm always wrong, so this is nice. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, that kind of goes to show, really, doesn't it, that a lot of these games you just kind of re-remember them in your mind. But it was 31 years ago, so I'm going to say, what the hell. Andy Gray scored two. We won. He got the winner. I've obviously forgotten the third goal. Flo, your third game. So my th uh, third game is in the same season as that Liverpool game. Uh, just a couple of months later... Man City 3, QPR 2. Now, obviously, we didn't win that day, um, but all in all, it was a pretty ridiculous game and day to be a part of. Um, and another starring performance from Jamie Mackey. Um, obviously, there was a lot on the line that day. Um, me and my brother and a couple of his mates had driven up um, and there was a lot of expectation, a lot of nerves um, for both sides. City, obviously, trying to claim their first title in like 50 years or something. Um, and we were trying to stay up. Um, and all in all, uh, from the start, things didn't go too badly. Paddy Kenny uh, managed to keep us in it until just before half time, and obviously we've been talking about that Liverpool game and the lineups. I mean, City's lineup, unbelievable, um, all star um, uh, compared to us. Um, so yeah, Paddy Kenny managed to keep us in it um, until just before half time. Pa Pablo Zabaleta scored, and so we went in at half time, one nil down, um, and uh, w there was everything on the line in the other game too. Bolton were playing Stoke. Uh, and Bolton were also trying to stay up. Um, and we then came out uh, in the second half, and Lord knows how uh, we managed to take a 2-1 lead. Gibral Cisse and, and uh, Jamie Mackey uh, scoring to take a 2-1 up. And in between those two goals, Joey Bast Barton um, briefly lost his mind um, and started kicking out uh, various players. So 
at one all we go 10 men down and obviously we all start to think the worst um because then man city have been applying pressure all day would surely turn the screw um and I'm just having a look now. They had 15 shots on target. So um, we did pretty well to keep them out for as long as we did. Uh, then Jamie Mackey um, does that sort of diving dolphin header to take us 2-1 up in the 66th minute. And then we've got about 25 minutes to try and hold on to this lead or even just hold on to a point. Um and uh, in the night, we managed to hold on to the 92nd minute. So that's a really long time holding on, keeping City out uh, with all their attacking prowess. Uh, and at what by that point, by the 90th minute, they've got about four strikers on because Ed and Dzeko comes on. So they're just bombarding us. Uh, then eventually they score, Dzeko scores that equaliser in the 92nd minute. And then obviously Aguero's scores that that infamous goal and because of the Bolton result elsewhere we end up staying up and actually it was a really enjoyable day with the City fans with both sets of supporters celebrating an iconic game in the history of football and it was a really special thing to be a part of. Uh, We've had a couple of good defeats against City haven't we because we also had that game at home to them. Uh, so your 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 game is the this game is the the Aguero game where we obviously lost. But but was it the same season we lost against? We lost at home to them, but very nearly won. Uh, now you're talking. I think it was yeah. That was a night game. Loved to throw. I think. Yeah, which which not that any defeats are enjoyable, but if you're going to pick some defeats that are more enjoyable than others, that game where. We very nearly beat Man City at home. It was also um, quite an enjoyable and memorable game. But... Well, the, th- the thing is, when I was up there, I was sitting right beside the City fans on the right-hand side. Yeah, same, same. And, and I don't know where you were watching, Flo, but they weren't very friendly when we went 2-1 up, I can tell you. And I was getting death stares from like the entire row. And I think it, it was almost oh, like... Yeah. When it was two one, they were going to kill us. But when when we when we stayed up and they won, it was kind of a night. Because I was thinking, shit, if we win, it's going to really kick off. Like if we stop them from winning the title, it's going to get really ugly. But because we were both got sort of what we wanted at the end of the day, it actually turned into quite a nice atmosphere. But yeah, at that two one moment, there was it was pretty toxic. And the, the thing is, no, it was it was a loving basically up there after that. I mean, I can remember the. We were singing "You are, you are, you are champions," and they they were singing "You are staying up" back to us. And then I was staying in Manchester that night, and they cordoned off, like they made it hard because Man United were coming back from Sunderland, and they made half the part, uh, half the town red and half blue, basically. Ooh. And we were partying with all the Man City fans, but then it, it all sort of got back to you know I, I was sort of uh, they closed the pubs early because there was going to be trouble, and as I was walking back to my mates. Um, I saw a Man City fan having an argument with his girlfriend, and I was like, oh, come on, mate, you know. And then it sort of reverted to start. He goes, piss off, yeah, effing Cockney. And I thought, all oh, right, okay. That's, back, to, uh, back to script. Back to normal now, then. <laughs> but the, the weird thing about it as well was that day was, do you remember when the bench were giving the players a message that we were we were staying up? I mean, I, it was one of them things, just, again, you saw, it was a memory, didn't really happen. But there was a, there was a bit in the game when we all kind of knew that um, the, 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 the Bolton were going down. And we all started jumping down and the City fans were looking at us and it got down and the players and everything else. And I think 
to be honest with you, I think we just gave up at that point because we just thought we'll sort them. Let them have their moments. So I think that we actually won the, the title for City, which is very, very kind of us. The Man City <laughs> fans should look back on that as, as, as a day we give them the league. But it was almost, i tell you what was, reminded me, like that atmosphere reminded me of the Jimmy Pollock one when we when Pollock headed the um, own goal and we stood up. And if I had the piss down with rain that day, we'd have got absolutely battered, I tell you. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris, have you done your third? I don't think you have. I haven't. No, I should do it now. Um, Go on. I know we. I know we, we're. Um, we've been talking for quite a while. People might be bored, so we'll try. I'll try and race through this one. Um, I was. There's all sorts of games I could have picked. I mentioned them. You know, um, like from early on when I was a kid. But again, I don't think it's going to resonate with many people. So I've gone for another obvious one and a, one that's a, even though it's still nearly 20 years old, but it's a bit. It's a bit um, more up to date. That's the Sheffield Wednesday one at Hillsborough when we won three one. Um, obviously mentioned the, uh, the player final earlier. We had that disappointment in Cardiff the season before. Um, and, uh, yeah, we we took, I think, eight, well, 8,000 officially, but I'm pretty sure there's more than that. There's was, there was like 30,000 people in the ground. And I remember it being very, very hostile. Uh, there was a whole, seemed like the whole stand of Sheffield Wednesday fans spent the whole time just staring at us and chanting at us and, you know, weren't interested in the game at all. And the atmosphere didn't help with us. Um <clears throat> and the players, the fact that, that Bristol City were our rivals, Plymouth had gone up, we, and we was between us and Bristol City, and Sheffield, uh, the, the, um, I think Bristol City took the lead, and the Sheffield Wednesday lot put it on the scoreboard, which yep. is a bit of a dirty trick. Um, anyway, yeah, we took the lead through Gallon, I think 10 minutes before half-time, then Furlong just after half-time, we were going absolutely nuts. I mean, it was just, I think the agony of the playoff the, pre- the season before made it even sweeter. And I mean, of course, being QPR, we let one in just to keep us all on our toes. But then <laughs> there was an own goal. I think it was an own goal, uh, the 3-1 up. And then you had the, the everyone at the end, again, stayed behind for about 20 minutes. The players right in front of us. I, I had Gallon through his boots. I caught I caught one in my hand and the bloke caught the other half of it. And we had a bit of a wrestling match and he got it in the end. But there you go. <clears throat> and then it was all back to the Bush Ranger um, for a big for parting. And uh, I think I was with... Nick Blackburn's daughter at that night and leaving uh, leaving uh, messages of QPR fans singing on his answer phone. Uh, yeah, very enjoyable. It felt like a lot longer than 20 minutes that the, the, we all stayed behind in that stand that day and the players were in front of it. It felt like hours, but maybe, maybe you're right. But yeah, what that was top, top away trip, that one for sure. But they weren't, I mean, the, the Wednesday fans were really, they weren't just bitter, Chris. They were absolutely ridiculous before the game. They were chucking things at QPR fans and stuff. And, and if a few Rangers fans were isolated and were on their own, they, they got a, a bit of a hard time. And I think the kid got punched in the pitch as well. They were, and I couldn't understand that it was just pure bitterness that we were probably going to go up and they weren't. And they were a so called big club and we are not. That was purely ridiculous behaviour by them. And something like that will, will stay with me because I thought they, they didn't need to. I mean, there's plenty of times I've seen teams go up at QPR if we haven't got a problem with them we'll clap them off the pitch you know what I mean it's, it's what you do you don't just because you think you've got a divine right to be in a higher league than us behave like that I mean, the Bristol City mm-hmm. score was an absolute friggin disgrace and you know they should have been done for that because it, 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 that could have caused serious problems uh, Finney going to come on to you I have you do your last game but I have since clarified your challenge to me but in 1989, we beat Man. Well, I said we beat Man United 2-1. You were correct. We beat them 3-2. Andy Sinton scored the third goal. 
Oh, of course it was Andy. I knew it was Andy. I was teasing you. Teasing you was. Potentially the source of my confusion over the years is we played Man United five times that season. Remember that? We played them. We had a cup. We played them in the third round of the cup. And in those days, they kept playing replays until you got a result. And so we played them in the third round of the cup and then two replays. We did the same same at Blackpool as well a couple of years before that. That. And it was 31 years ago. So there you go. I, I, I was wrong, Finney. You were right. 3-2, but um, Andy Gray did score the winner. Right. It, it won't be the game. first time, David, and it won't be the last time. Um, right. For me to be right is a miracle. But um, my last game is bloody obvious. Who 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 would mention this game? The 1-0 at Forest last year. I mean, you know, you'd, you'd, have, to, you'd have to be insane not to mention it. Absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, it's... I don't, I don't know why, because I just felt we were going to win that day. And, you know, met up with Cindy and Alan, my mates I go with, and we, we, we were talked about it. We went to pubs, booked to people I know, like Simon and other people who were QPR fans. It was Lee, we're all sort of sitting there. And everyone felt it could happen. And then when it actually did happen, that you know, fair play to the Forest fans, the ones that I was abusing all the way through the game and, 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 and taking the pee out of actually clapped us because it was the first time, obviously, we won there. And, you know, I've seen some absolute dubbins in that place. You know, Nigel Clough scored the fastest hat-trick, the 5-0 here. Oh, Jesus. There was a League Cup game when Ozzy Ardelius broke his leg and stuff. I've just always seemed to be such a horrible place for us to go because we always got tanked or beat and this, that, and the other. And they, had, they, they, they just made our life a flipping misery. And I never thought in my lifetime I would see us win there. And it completed my lovely thing that I can now die. I've seen us win at Wembley, right. I've seen us win at Forest and I've seen us beat the scum a few times. So, you know, I can die happy. But yeah, that was that and then there was the guys like had a t shirt like thirty five time lucky sort of thing. And uh just that was an amazing day. <laughs> that was you know, I, I don't know what ever happened to them T shirts. I'm surprised they weren't printed again. But yeah. And I don't know why of all the places we could win was 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 it was at Forest. It's just one of them weird things. But it was it was great to win. And um yeah, it's something that I'll never forget either. And um, yeah, it's just actually I do forget because I was pissed as a fart before I got the train. But that's here and there. But yeah, you know what? Isn't that what you live for football for? Isn't it? Sometimes you don't expect these things that happen. And you can, you know, the seven ones against Sheffield Wednesday away when you're a kid and all these sort of things are horrible days. You have the Fox and Mudders. It just takes one little game like that, and it just makes everything all right. Very good. 12 very good games there. They're all very different. Some obvious ones, some personal ones. Good collection, that. Now, we've gone way over. So let's do very, very quick ours ends for anyone that wants them. Finney, this means very quick, so not bore anyone. I will do mine very quickly. I saw Mark Warburton is hosting <laughs> a quiz night tonight. If anyone's listening to this Saturday afternoon, it sounds quite fun. It's on Facebook, on the QPR page on Facebook. So that is 8 o'clock tonight. I believe so. Get a pen and paper ready and head over to QPR's Facebook page. I think it's a general knowledge football and QPR quiz. And he's the quiz master. Sounds quite good. Oh, I might do that. Over to you, Vinny. Mine's very short and simple. Um, thank you to everyone that sent me messages about my mother, who's not in a good way at the moment, and um, I can't even see her because she's isolated, and I'm isolated, blah, 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 these horrible times. And anyone who works for the NHS, I love you all. Thank you. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. just to echo that, Finney, yeah, all of our, all of our wishes 
to your mum. Um, and yeah, I think he's, what you put on Twitter, you can see, um, you know, all the all, all the positive messages from QPR fans and fans. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm so so so. I mean. Like, listen, you know what I'm like. I'm not, you know, I, I, I wind people up and annoy people. annoy people. I know that I, I have that in me, but it was nice to get that. It made a lot of difference in a crappy time. And when my mum's well, and she will get well because my mum beats everything. Um, and they, we got a, a phone call from the hospital just saying, your mum's okay, but she's absolutely raging, which means she's fine, hopefully. <laughs> Brilliant. Good well, luck, I... Annie, and all our wishes to you and her and the family. Absolutely, Thanks, lads. yeah. Um, my, mine's, very, mine's very quick. Um, it was um, this happened a couple of weeks ago, actually. But I don't know. It's just generally, I think the club, you know, in in trying times, have done really well to try and keep us all entertained. And the stuff that had been done with the players, Liam Kelly was um, he, he he rang up some eighty nine year old season ticket holder who made his day by all accounts. He's also done stuff for the Tiger Cubs. So shout out to him. Angel rang Gel, called called somebody up. Eberieze called a few. And Don Ball spoke to a guy called George, who sort of educated him about our great players from the past. So, yeah, as usual, really well done, well done QPR. And um, brilliant. It is difficult in these times, and, and obviously, from what Paul said, I mean, football's like completely irrelevant, and to all the other people who are suffering with this. But I mean, the only thing is, football sometimes does keep me sane, and it, it, it's, it'd be nice to. Um, while we haven't got football, it's nice that the club are doing all this. I agree. Um, Flo? Yeah, um, same as the other guys really like for the club, uh, social media, um, Paul and the team, um, comms guys are doing so well to keep everything ticking over and also getting Warburton and, and all the players involved. So thanks a lot. And um, I was a little bit frustrated um, this week to see the club's slightly confusing statement about um, non-playing staff uh, being placed on furlough, um, which has been standard for a lot of businesses and a lot of football clubs. But um, I know the Premier League has now asked its clubs to uh, negotiate a 30% pay cut with players. And um, it might be that I've missed something, but I can't see the EFL um, having asked players to do the same. And, um, you know, for a lot of the, the staff at QPR, um, they will not be earning, or most of them will not be earning, you know, near anything that the playing staff do. So um, I, I hope that the players, as well as obviously doing these amazing things in the, in the community, uh, can kind of sort out some sort of, um, you know, wage break like Leeds um, and clubs in Germany and Hearts have done in Scotland, um, either delaying it or, or taking a cut because obviously they're not playing at the moment. And technically, I guess you could say they're not fulfilling their traditional contract um, obligations. And um, it's a really tough time for a lot of people uh, in the football industry and to also ease the burden on the club itself uh, and try and ensure the long long-term stability. I think... I hope that QPR and other EFL clubs um, do uh, lean on the players a bit where possible to to do that. So I'm sure we'll be updated on that pretty soon anyway. So, so my, I, I've heard a couple of whispers on this. I don't know how true it is, and it, it's, it, it's, it's obviously all unconfirmed. I've heard, first of all, that um, because when you get put on, the, the, the staff that have been put on furlough are still being paid and being topped up to their regular wages. I don't know if that's true or not. 
But if that, that is true, that's the obviously case. That's quite standard, that, yeah, that, that so, the government provide 80 and then the, the business will top it up to meet the full, the full salary. Right. So that's, well, from other discussions in other industries, I'm not sure it is always standard. But if they are doing that, then that's obviously going to help out uh, a lot of other people. I also understand that the, the the wage, the voluntary wage cuts, like the people in senior positions are leading by example, is what I have heard, and taking deeper cuts than the people at the club who are not earning as much, although, of course, I don't know this. And my understanding is that the players would if they could, but the PFA are, are meddling somewhat and making it a little bit murky and a little bit more complicated and trying to strike some sort of collective bargaining agreement for all players at all clubs. So I don't think, although there's a narrative in some media that players are greedy and all this and don't understand that they're working for clubs where people don't earn very much money, I'm not sure it's actually, and I would have thought in the next few days you'd probably be seeing um, a bit more on that. I think but, yeah. the frustrating thing about that, David, was for me, was when Matt Hancock turned his guns on Premier League footballers. I thought, okay, that, that that's a bit that's a bit grim. I know yeah, it's first, I mean, there's uh, lots there's lots of big earners, uh, billionaires in um in UK in the UK who are not pulling their weight and and doing the right thing in this circumstances. So uh, footballers are not alone in terms of big money makers that need to pull their finger out and do the right thing. I just think that in you know we've seen other clubs. Um, be proactive about it and I understand the PFA have a lot of power but I think you can I think you know you can be proactive about it and like negotiate things on your own terms um, which is what other clubs in the UK and abroad have done and I think I think the problem is is that you know just agents who are gonna stand in the way of things like this yeah I think I think everyone in the end will do the right thing I've I have faith Sure. Yeah, but in Barcelona, isn't it? Didn't they give um, seventy? Was it seventy percent? Seventy percent they gave, so it can be done, agents or no agents. Um, but oh, I, yeah. Hancock was playing to the galleries a bit there. I mean, that was the headline he needed to distract from other headlines. And they gave yeah, themselves exactly. a nice pay raise as well. Right. Um, all right. I think that'll do for this week. Well done, everyone. Any predictions for Middlesbrough? <laughs> um, I, I reckon we, we, we'd have won that 4-0 I'm telling you I am telling you that'd have been a 4-0 away they win I'm telling you we won't lose um, we've basically right. done nearly 90 minutes it's nearly a full full game nearly I don't think we've done quite that long because we had what people won't know when they listen to it is the amount of times we had to stop for hello hello can you hear me can you hear me <laughs> um, so that's probably knocked off 20 minutes of it um, all right. Well, look, thank you all for listening. This has been the QPR podcast. We will be back next week talking about another theme uh, until there is football back on. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, guys. Cheers. QPR. QPR.